This is the Family Culture Project. As promised, this week we are rebroadcasting a few episodes that lay the foundation on what family culture is and why it matters. Today is a replay of episode two. Are you creating culture or is it creating you? Every family has a particular way they work together to solve problems, achieve goals, and connect with one another. It's their family culture. Just like business culture, family culture is created by default, subject to the whims of its members or through intentionality. Welcome to the Family Culture Project, Episode 2. Today we'll be discussing the difference between default culture and intentional culture. You know, there was a time when our busy schedule created a culture of survival in our family. We'd often say to one another, let's just get through this week. We talked a little bit about it last time, guys. We were late all the time. By default, we were late. Uh, No matter what we did, no matter what we implemented, um, it just seemed we couldn't get it right. We did try to make tweaks along the way. We did say to ourselves, we're going to be on time next time. (laughs) Just never really worked out. I guess you know where we're coming from. You know, the the funny thing happened. One day I was getting my kids into the car, and it was when they were still really little, so I had to strap them in their car seats and... I remember strapping them all in and they were, they were like frantic. I don't, I don't know how else to just to to describe it. They were like stressed out because they were like, mom, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. And I'm like, um, no, we're actually on time, but they didn't know any other way to behave. That was how they behaved. That was what we did every time we had to go somewhere. You were stressing my kids out. (laughs) Yeah. Look, our house was a little bit frantic. Um, we'd get a little testy on the way out the door, probably most of the time. (laughs) Um, always feeling a bit restless. Um, look, we were going through one week at a time. We were saying we're going to make a different change, but nothing was happening. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And even if we had success at being on time once in a while, just never really stuck. We were still known as the Amici's, and guess what? They're late again. <laughs> yeah, what the, every week looked like the week before. And it wasn't just in this area either. I feel like there were lots of areas where there was regret because we had really good ideas about what we wanted our life to look like or what we thought we should be doing, but we never seemed to be able to make them show up in our lives. And in order to change that, we had to be honest with ourselves about where we were and stop making excuses. It was easy for us to say, well, that's just the way we are and we've always been late, so we're just we're, we're just doing our best. I like being late. <laughs> that's not a good thing. Um... Sometimes being late is a good thing, but... No, we're not talking about fashionably late to social events. We're talking about sports practices, school, No, I'm talking about things that you really don't want to go to. (laughs) You know, we were busy trying not to be late. However, we weren't doing what we needed to do to be on time, and there's a big difference. So the point is, you can decide what you want your family culture to be. And just because the things are the way they are doesn't mean they have to stay that way. A thriving family culture does not happen organically, and it will not create itself. We've often heard the comment, well, you know, it is what it is. There's not much I could do to change things. You know, things are going to happen. This is just the way it is. You know, this statement is just not true. Taking ownership over your own destiny can help you define the culture you want to have within your home. I think when we say things like that, we leave a lot of power on the table. As parents, we have the ability to direct our family in the way we want them to go. And when we make statements like that, like that's just the way it is, well, we're leaving a lot of our effectiveness as parents, as well, leaders we're just, we're in just our not home. the home. Yeah, as leaders in the home, we're just, we're, we're not tapping into the power that we have. Well, we're 
you're, you're basically saying with statements like that, you're a victim of your circumstance. So as we mentioned earlier, there's two types of culture. There's the default culture and then there's intentional culture. One of the characteristics of default culture is that in a default culture, circumstances determine the outcome. So it's sort of like situational ethics where your children are only obedient when it's easy or your family only saves money when they don't have anything else to spend it on. So, so basically you're saying people do things the easiest way? Exactly. So oftentimes the decisions we make is based on how busy we are. They're also based on how we were raised, meaning that we're used to doing things a certain way. And so we just continue to act that way. But have you ever heard the story about the woman who was cooking Christmas dinner and she was making a ham? And so as she was preparing the ham, she cut it in half and then she put it in two different pans and put it in the oven. And her parents were over for the holidays and her mother said to her, well, why are you doing that? And she said to her mom, well, this is the way you've always done it. And she goes, that's because my oven was too small. Yours isn't. And so that's a perfect example of that's somebody funny. doing something the way they had seen it done for years without an explanation of why it was being done that way and just repeating that. You know, and also sometimes we do things because we're taking cues from other family members or our friends, people in our community, or people with the same sort of schedule as us. We tend to look to everybody else to show us the direction we should go. Or another way of thinking about that is sometimes you may look up to another family or you, you may think that another family is living a life that you want to live and you start to try to follow their lead. So rather than defining your own values and your own, um, and the own, and your own outcomes, um, you're, you're, you're in a way just living by default off of other people's culture. And, and, and a lot of times those other, those other cultures are default cultures. Yeah. And they may not even know it. Yeah. Because we often only see the outside. We don't really see the inner workings of other families. So it's easy to look at another family, see something that they're doing and say, oh, I want to do things that way and not really know why they're doing those things. And so I think that's, that's not a good place to take our cues from. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite examples that I like to talk about is um, our family. One of our values is integrity. And for that, for us, that means honoring our commitments. And there was one morning in particular where there was a huge snowstorm, but our son had wrestling practice. And even though the snowstorm had ended, there was quite a bit of snow on the driveway. And so when it came time to leave for, left, leave for practice, I got my shoes on, convinced my son that he needed to go to practice. And Carl at the time was not... Is I still sleeping? No. <laughs> you were not thrilled about getting outside and shoveling. To be honest, you felt like I was putting a little bit pressure on you. Go outside when you just wanted to relax and enjoy the day. You had a long week at work. And I get that. We've got to go to practice. And I was trying to teach our son that we had a choice to make. We can either honor our commitments or not. We could either go to practice because it was a value for us or we could just choose to to espouse the value whenever we felt like it. And so we made a choice and we got out our boots, we got in the car, we made our way to practice because it was important to us. I got another good example of integrity. Um, I remember a couple times where we would go to the store, we would buy something, something would make it into the bag that actually did not belong. Or it's not that we stuck it there, it's just that we didn't get charged for it. So we would walk back from our car, mm -hmm. back to the register and say, you didn't charge us for this. Mm -hmm. and pay for it so that our children understood that it's just not, it's not okay people do make mistakes but it's not okay that doesn't mean mm -hmm. we just got it for free mm -hmm. yeah 
So we didn't allow our circumstances to determine the choices that we were going to make. We allowed our values and what we felt we wanted to teach our children on purpose to steer us in the right direction. We kind of touched on this, but when your culture is in default mode, there's really no clearly defined purpose that Mm -hmm. anybody can link back to. Each member just does their own thing. They make decisions moment by moment, emotion by emotion, emotion drives decisions Mm, rather than purpose. And we know that's never a good thing. We've already touched on this, but in a default culture, there is basically no clearly defined purpose to drive our decisions day by day. Each member is just doing their own thing. There's no common thread. Example in a business is each leader that's hired bring their own style, their own values, and they create within their division or their department a culture. Then you end up with a company that is a series of cultures. There's no one clearly defined purpose driving those cultures. There's no one clear set of values that each member within that firm is following where you can define a culture by the business division. You can define a culture by a senior leader within that division, but the overall senior leadership has no clearly defined culture. And I think that when you have a culture within a culture, it's extremely difficult to have any sort of unity. And this can happen in families as well. One of the results of a culture that's shaped by default is that it tends to be mediocre, because let's all face it, people, especially children, take the path of least resistance. They tend to not make decisions that are outside their comfort zone. They do what's easy. Absolutely. If you think about a culture that you may have experienced especially in a work environment that that is, as we describe, by default, you know you're going to come back and say, well, if we did have a defined culture, if we did have a defined set of values, I, I believe that we could do so much more. If you look at firms that do have well-defined, non-default cultures, and we used this example last time, which was Disney, everything is on purpose. Everything there is on purpose. There's a defined set of values and everybody follows them. So if you look at that as your excellent example of a a defined purposeful culture versus a default culture that I'm sure many of you are experiencing today, what would you rather have for your family? Do you want it to be the happiest place on earth (laughs) or do you want to just be a place to work, you know, a place to go, right? That brings us to intentional culture. A predefined purpose organization or family knows what they stand for and how they're going to live that out. It helps them make decisions every day. When you have a predetermined purpose, you can decide what that looks like. And then you can take small, consistent steps to achieve that goal. The small, consistent steps that you make over time create a routine and a rhythm. And that's what starts to define you before you know it, a culture is created. For example, when we finally decided that being late was taking a toll on our family, we had to put a plan in place. What that meant for us was that each week when I sat down to look at the calendar and figure out where we needed to be, when we needed to be there, I had to determine what time the event started, what time we had to be there. How long it took to get there. Exactly. Plus, I had to put in an extra 10 minutes to pad what it was going to take to get out the door. 20 minutes when I was involved. (laughs) And so... I had to do that over and over and over and over again. And I have to be honest with you, I still do it to this day because it is what helps us stay on task, on time, and get to where we need to be. And if you have kids, the big thing that we have done as well is think about sports. Think about those cleats and you don't know where they are. (laughs) You've got to plan. So the part of planning is the kids get their stuff ready the day before, the night before, um, or if it's later in the afternoon, that morning, first thing in the morning. They get their stuff ready to go. So when it comes time to leave, Mm -hmm. you can actually leave and not search around the house Mm -hmm. for something that was missing. 
Yeah, so preparation is a big part of that. Yeah. And it's done consistently over time. And before you know it, we're on time for things. And I think our, our kids are the better for it. And I think they've seen a big change and it makes them feel more safe and secure. It actually is much less stressful. You know, when you, set, when you intentionally create a culture, you set your people up for the highest probability of success. You give them a better chance to perform well and achieve what it is that you've set out to do. So what comes to mind is cooking. For us as a family, it's something that we enjoy individually and together. But in order to make it possible for my kids to cook and to explore this hobby, I have to lead by example and I basically have to cook. I have to be there when they want to cook. They typically cook one night a week. I've got to make sure that there are groceries in the house. I get them involved in meal planning. I listen to their requests. So I intentionally have to create an environment that allows for cooking and allows for them to enjoy the process. And I gain all the benefits. The benefits are good food, very good food, <laughs> different food. So instead of having a vague sense of purpose, children in a family with a healthy, well-thought-out culture have a strong sense of belonging. Yeah, you know where I see this in our kids telling their friends how they cook. They're proud to tell their friends that they know how to cook. And their friends will come over and make a meal with our children and they'll be surprised that I let them use a knife. They'll be surprised that our kids know where things are and how to access things. And so they, they take ownership of it. The good, the other thing about cooking, um, and one thing that was, um, part of our, our, what we wanted our culture to be is we wanted our house to be the house, meaning we wanted our, our house to be the house that kids want to come to and enjoy being here. Um, cooking is a part of that because I think the kids come back because they learn skills that they're not learning at home. Um, they're not only getting good food, but they're but they're learning skills here. Um, they enjoy being here. They enjoy the atmosphere of being here. So it's about you know tensional culture. Now I just want to say th one thing: it doesn't really matter what your value is or what you want your family to be known for or what it is that you guys enjoy together. It doesn't have to be cooking. For us, it is cooking, but I have friends, very good friends of mine who just, they don't like to cook and it's not their thing. And that's completely okay. We use this as an example to show you how we've made room for it in our lives and we've made it possible for our family to thrive in that area. Well, that's the point. It's about what is important to you as a family, what is important in your beliefs and, and what you want to instill into your family. It's about being purposeful and purposefully defining your culture and instituting the steps necessary to have the family you want to have. You know, and also that there, there's an excitement that's created because kids, and I'm assuming this is the same in a workplace, members of an organization, a business, even a church, there's an excitement they have about being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. So not only do they see this as something that they enjoy doing, but they see it as something that we enjoy doing as in a family. And there's a certain amount of excitement I think that's created around that. Yeah, and the cooking thing really extends beyond that. It extends to travel as well. And every time we travel, we, we seek out unique places to eat. Yeah, so when you ask them what, our, what, what their favorite part of our last vacation was, it was a tie between the attractions we saw and the food we ate. I think the food was almost their favorite. It's time to become the family you were meant to be. We are thrilled to announce that our online course, Build Your Best Family, is open for registration on April 15th. We will be your companions as you decide what you want your family to be known for. Determine your core values and passions and then translate your values into behaviors that can be taught, coached, and celebrated. 
and then create a family manifesto. The course includes access to our private Facebook page that will connect you with others taking the course. Plus, we'll be there with encouragement and additional resources and live Q&As. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com to pre-register. You'll be the first to be notified as soon as you're able to sign up. Plus, you'll receive a pre-registration discount. Be sure to type in the, T-H-E, familycultureproject.com forward slash the course. So the first step in creating the culture you want is to assess where you are right now. Ask yourself these questions. Number one, does your family lack enough time to spend together? Question number two, does your family have so many individual interests that it's hard to find things that you all enjoy together? Number three, are you so busy that you don't have time to think about what is important to you, let alone include my family in them? If you've answered yes to these questions, chances are you have a default culture. And it's time to take action to change the direction your family's going. So I hope that you're getting from the, our conversation today that intentional culture is what's going to drive your family to where you want to be. We're not talking about perfect. We're talking about intentional. These three questions are a great way to determine if you have a default culture or an intentional culture. If you're still not sure where you're at as a family, you can check out a free resource that we've included in the show notes. It's just a few more questions that will help you determine where you're at right now. It doesn't matter where you are in your family life right now. Your family can become one that reflects your values and beliefs and is rooted in what matters to you. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Join us for the next episode as we talk about assessing your culture. It's an important step, so you don't want to miss it. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask you for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review in iTunes? We're passionate about helping families thrive, and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.